the Art of Leadership Network. Welcome to Lead Culture with Ginny Katrin, brought to you by Foresight, a podcast all about building confident leaders, extraordinary teams, and thriving cultures. The goal is to equip you to lead yourself well so you can lead others better. Thank you for choosing to listen today and enjoy this episode. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the podcast today. I'm your host, Jenny Katrin, founder and CEO of The Foresight Group. And today I want to talk about a challenge that I see with most of the teams that I have the privilege to work with. And that one challenge is trust. In fact, when I'm coaching executive teams, the most common issue that they cite for the reason they've engaged me is that there's a sense of a lack of trust within the team. And uh, oftentimes, they can't quite define where the trust began to erode. Stephen M. R. Covey says in his book, The Speed of Trust, he says, there is one thing that is common to every individual, relationship, team, family, organization, nation, economy, and civilization throughout the world. One thing which, if removed, will destroy the most powerful government, the most successful business, the most thriving economy, the most influential leadership, the greatest friendship, the strongest character, the deepest love. On the other hand, if developed and leveraged, that one thing has the potential to create unparalleled success and prosperity in every dimension of life. Yet, it is the least understood, most neglected, and most underestimated possibility of our time. That one thing is trust. And that was a long paragraph from The Speed of Trust, but I think it kind of encapsulates the challenge that we feel with the issue of trust, especially within our teams. In fact, no one seems to argue that trust is the issue. The frustration is that in many cases, we don't know how we lost it, and worse yet, how to rebuild it. And not surprisingly, when we're working with organizations to help them build great team culture, the issue of trust is front and center. The problem is that if you say we want to build trust, people get a little antsy because they quickly envision trust falls or ropes courses. And those things are not necessarily bad, but they rarely address the systemic issue that's actually eroding trust. Or people are thinking we're going to make them get super vulnerable and share their personal stories, their fears, etc. And again, not necessarily bad or wrong. We just typically lack the organizational emotional intelligence to know if our team is ready for that kind of vulnerability. Because if it's introduced too soon, it often breeds more distrust because it feels disingenuous. So here we are with this whole issue of how do we build trust And what are the tools to help us get there? But I believe that there are far more practical ways to build or erode trust in a culture. And it simply comes down to what do you believe and what do you do? What do you believe and what do you do? In our Culture Works framework at Foresight, we say our recipe for culture is values multiplied by behavior. So, how does that impact trust? 
have you as a leader found yourself frustrated because something that was obvious to you was not as obvious to others? Ever asked yourself why they just don't get it? Maybe you're the staff person who's frustrated because your decisions are constantly overturned by your leaders. But for the life of you, you can't really figure out why. Like it doesn't make any sense to you. It feels like their decisions and direction have more to do with their mood that day or maybe the pizza they ate last night than any real consistent principle. This chasm between the instincts of the leader and the decisions and the behaviors of the team often reflects a values misalignment that ultimately becomes the breeding ground for lack of trust. If the staff feel like they can't trust whether their decisions will be affirmed, and if a leader can't trust that the staff will make decisions consistent with their vision, we wind up with a culture filled with complacency, mediocrity, micromanagement, and frustration. Sound a bit familiar? What's happening is that the leader or the leaders of the organization have a set of values or guiding principles that are guiding their instincts. These values and beliefs are so core to them that they've rarely taken the time to actually think them through, let alone write them down. They're just instinctual to the leader. In the early days of a young organization, other key staffers have close enough proximity to the leader that they quickly kind of catch these unwritten values. By sheer time together and good emotional intelligence on behalf of these key team members, they figure out how to read and interpret their leader, are gradually given more authority to make decisions, right? They just kind of are picking up on what's important to the leader and then they're making decisions accordingly. And the leader feels comfortable that these one or two key staffers just kind of get it and they slowly trust them with more and more responsibility. The problem is that the organization is still growing. New team members are joining, and these new team members don't have the luxury of the same time and proximity to that senior leader. They desire the autonomy to do their work, but are constantly being redirected and micromanaged, leaving everyone frustrated and scratching their heads. All decisions end up funneled up to the one or two people closest to the leader who get it, the ones who can magically interpret the leader, and the great bottleneck of your organization has been formed. I see this over and over and over, especially in young or fast-growing organizations where the one or two people closest to the senior leader understand all of the leader's instincts and inspiration and ideas and are able to quickly make decisions congruent with that leader's instincts. But as the organization grows, people throughout the team don't have the same proximity and therefore the luxury to understand how to make those same decisions. So why is this familiar to me? Because frankly, I've lived this at every level of organizational life, but probably most painfully when I was that one person who could interpret my leader. I was in the second chair as executive director in this organization, and I was the one trusted to make decisions but responsible for coaching the rest of the team to kind of get it as well. And that frustration of being the bottleneck, which by the way, didn't just mean that I had to be the one that all decisions flowed through, but I was also the one who had to translate the frustration coming from both sides, right? The frustration of the team who felt like they couldn't make decisions because it wasn't aligned with the leader and the leader who was frustrated because the team weren't making decisions that made sense to him. And so I ended up in the middle of this trying to be the one that provided the translation for both sides of the equation. 
The staff didn't feel empowered and our leader didn't feel like he could trust the team. And all of that just kind of forced me to look deeper at the issue because, right, I did not want to continue to be the bottleneck for our organization. And what I discovered was that there were actually some core values, some guiding principles that guided our decision-making. But how could I expect the staff to make decisions if they were blind to these values, right? We hadn't articulated the values. They were just kind of in us, specifically the senior leader, and I had caught them over time. And the problem was that as senior leadership, we hadn't done the work to articulate the values that were so instinctual to us. We were operating from some core principles, but even we had to work to explain them. When you asked us why we made some of the decisions we made, it sometimes took us a while to unpack and understand what was the instinct behind that, what was a value or a core principle that was guiding why we would do something one way and not do it another way. For example, our senior leader placed a high value on relational connection. He wanted people who engaged with our organization to feel seen and valued. And one of the ways that we measured this was that we felt that anyone who contacted us, whether by email, phone, or contact card, should be reached out to within 24 hours. So we had kind of this principle organizationally that people should be reached out to within 24 hours whenever they made a connection with us. And that all makes sense when I give you the full context. But imagine if I hadn't given you the actual value and just was constantly asking you if you had followed up on all your connections. So in the day-to-day, I'm saying, hey, have you followed up with everybody who emailed this week? Hey, have you made sure you followed up with everybody who responded to a contact card? Inadvertently, the task of responding became elevated and the spirit of connecting with people got lost. What happened is that people got responses, but they were often short, insensitive, or unhelpful because our team was responding to the action rather than to the actual value. And that's just one example of many that I could share that showcase the importance of defining values that guide behavior. People need to understand why, especially when we have kind of a principle like that. They need to understand what is the real why, what's the purpose behind it. That's the true value that helps them understand the decision to respond so proactively. See, values, when clearly defined with beliefs and behaviors, create scalable momentum for your team and more critically foster trust because you've enabled your team to own the authority of their role because they're equipped with the framework for decision-making. So I want you to take some time this week to consider the values that undergird your decision-making. Notice when you're about to redirect a staff person's decision. What are you valuing that they're not, which led to a difference in how you would do the task? Want to build trust in your organization? It begins with clarifying the values that guide everything you do as a team. What are the values that guide how you think, how you behave, and how you work? These are the values that you need to transfer in order to empower your team and align them for success. But for now, I want you to reflect on your values. What guides your decision-making and how can you communicate that to your team? Because this one critical step is important to building the trust necessary for your team to thrive. Thank you for listening to the Lead Culture Podcast with Ginny Catron, brought to you by Foresight. 
At Foresight, we are cultivating healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at getforesight.com. That's the word podcast at get the number four site.com. If this content has helped you in any way, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends and on social networks. Also, don't forget to follow or subscribe wherever you listen to quality podcasts so you don't miss any of the amazing content coming from Lead Culture with Jenny Katrin. Your comments mean the world to us, so please consider taking a quick moment to rate and review our podcast. Remember, you need foresight for success. We'll see you next time.